This stage indeed does look good, and we are very blessed to be a part of a church family who is committing to, committed to celebrating what God celebrates. You know, we live in a world and in a time who is opposed to the things that the Lord celebrates. And we as a church are committed to, as Dave was helping us see last week, to live under this word. And as Brendan rightly pointed out, we are called to honor our mothers and our fathers. And this is something that marriage and moms and dads, that's all part of God's design. And so as a church, we do unapologetically celebrate family. However, we do understand that Sometimes a day like today is hard to celebrate. And so as a pastoral team, we want to give you, whatever season of life you're in, the greatest gift that we can. And that is to point you to God's word, this great God who cares about every single one of us, whatever stage or phase we find our life in. I'm not sure if you have um, actually heard of a mother movement that is going on. There's a mother movement that is actually initiated in Australia. And what it is, is it's moms who are getting together and um, they're supporting each other online, actually. And what you can do is you can go on to the mother movement online and you can um, walk through five different steps of sort of evaluating what it is that you do. And so on the first sort of page, you get to go through and there's 21 boxes that you tick as to what your role is as a mom. So do you help with the gardening? Do you help with, you know, grocery shopping? Are you responsible for the cleaning? Are you responsible for walking the dog? 21 different boxes. And then you go to the next page and then it gives you Um, questions about how long it takes you to fulfill each of those duties and it also breaks down those duties and then how much time you spend every day every week every month actually fulfilling those tasks and then it takes you to the next page which then sort of asks you all these questions as what is the motive of behind why you fulfill those tasks is it so that you feel better is it because it's just something you have to have done and then you go to the next page and it gives you a little bit of a report on, you know, some of the some ideas of maybe you can pass these tasks off. And then at the end it says, "Congratulations. Why don't you print this this uh, report out and go show it to your family members?" Cuz they will be able to see actually how much you do. But sometimes mothers can feel very 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 much overlooked, unappreciated, And they do do a lot of things that go unnoticed and unappreciated. This morning, as mothers, we want to stop and we want to thank God for you. We want to recognize that you do do many, many, many wonderful things. Praise God for our mothers. Sometimes it's not until we actually stop and we pause and we consider how come my dirty clothes are now washed and folded and put away? How is it that there's always food in the cupboard? How is it that the toilet is always cleaned? I haven't done those things. How is it that my school fees are paid for as kids or I'm at practice or my uniform or my cleats are bought? 
Moms do a lot of things that go unrecognized and unappreciated, and we can take them for granted. But this morning, what I want us to do is I want us to turn into our Bibles and look at Psalm 113. Would you grab your Bibles and open it up to Psalm 113? Once you have found Psalm 113, would you do me a favor and would you please stand as we read this passage of Scripture together? Psalm 113 says this, Praise the Lord. Praise, O servants of the Lord. Praise the name of the Lord. Blessed be the name of the Lord from this time forth and forevermore. From the rising of the sun to its setting, the name of the Lord is to be praised. The Lord is high above all nations and his glory above the heavens. Who is like the Lord our God? who is seated on high, who looks far down on the heavens and on the earth. He raised the poor from the dust and lifts the needy from the ash heap to make them sit with princes, with the princes of his people. He gives the barren woman a home, making her the joyous mother of children. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, we want to thank you for who you are. And we want to thank you for your word. And we want to thank you that you speak to us through your word. And Father, I pray this morning that as we consider mothers and we want to honor them because you've told us in your word to do that. Father, we also want to pray for those of us who come with broken relationships with our moms. Our moms aren't here. Our hopes have been dashed for for being a mom. There are several various circumstances and situations that we come from. But Father, this psalm has an important message for us. And so would you enable me this morning to communicate clearly and would the hearers be encouraged and would our gaze be lifted from our circumstances to our almighty God. In Jesus' wonderful name I pray, amen. Please have a seat. This morning, if you're looking for a title for this message, I've called it Mothering Under the Gaze of God. Mothering Under the Gaze of God. Do you know, as moms, you do do many things that go unnoticed. And it's not until you actually pause and stop and think about everything that you do or somebody helps you stop and points out the things that you do They remember to express appreciation and gratitude. I remember my wife went away on a retreat for a weekend uh, with some ladies, and she had organized many things in advance for me to make it easier for me when she had left. And uh, she left on the Friday. She was gone all Friday night. She was gone all day Saturday. She was gone all Saturday night. She was gone Sunday morning, and then she finally came home, you know, Sunday after lunch, and I was chomping at the bits for her to walk in the door, and I remember greeting her at the door, just going, don't ever go away. (laughs) But what I actually did was I'd written down the things that my wife does, and I never 
appreciate her for them or thank her for them. The laundry, the wiping up of spilled milk, <laughs> the changing nappies, the mommy can I, mommy can I, mommy can I. I'm just going, holy smokes, this is incredible what mothers do. And it's not until somebody stops you in your tracks and helps you sort of take stock, you're kind of like, wow, I can take that for, for, for granted. And so this morning as I was praying about, or not this morning, but as I've been praying about what to speak about this morning, I thought, Lord, how can we help our moms stop and pause and take stock of the God who has entrusted them with children to raise? How can moms stop and remember, yes, this circumstance is huge and it's a huge task, but who actually is it that gave me this responsibility? And so Psalm 113, I think it has three things that I want to look at this morning. And the first thing is, is that there is a special invitation here that the psalmist gives to us. But not only is there a special invitation, he wants to show us the sheer splendor of who God is. And then I want us to stop and see this stellar attention of Almighty God. This king and this ruler who reigns over all takes notice of individuals' lives, earthly lives. A great and mighty God notices us. So, this, um, verses uh, 1, 2, and 3, this is where we see this special invitation. That first sentence, praise the Lord. That is the invitation. Actually, more than an invitation, it's almost as if the psalmist is saying, you, hey, you, you, yeah, you, get up off your feet, open up your mouth, and praise the Lord. This praise the Lord is like a hallelujah, the highest of praise that the children of Israel could have, could have uttered from their mouth. It is the greatest of praise. Hallelujah is such an important and a significant way to communicate our heartfelt gratitude and appreciation to Almighty God. You know, it's interesting because many times today, if you ask people, what does hallelujah mean? It could mean, oh, thanks, God. Way to go, God. Fist bump. You're doing well. That is not how the children of Israel or how hallelujah would have been understood in Old Testament times. It is the highest of praise. And this psalmist here is inviting its readers, his readers, to praise the Lord. When the children of Israel, imagine being one of the children of Israel who were on Mount Sinai where Moses is telling the people of God, God wants to make this covenant with us. He wants to be our God and we are going to be his people. They are covenant keepers of almighty God. And as covenant keepers, as the people of God, as the ones who have been set apart from all other nations, are Joy is to be able to praise the Lord. So this special invitation is extended by the psalmist to us here. But part of the background of Psalm 113 is not only is it seen as a, a special invitation, this psalmist 
is also highlighting the fact that this psalm in particular has a special testimony. Not only is it a praise psalm, but it's also a testimony. How do you see that it's a testimony? We don't have the name of the person who wrote this psalm. We don't have the date or the time or the location of when this psalmist wrote this. But what we do get is we do get that there is a a praise, an invitation to praise, but there's also a personal testimony. Could it be that this psalmist, this is his story? He and his wife were barren. He and his wife were poor. And this is what the living God has done for them. This psalm is, is this psalm is a hymn psalm, but it's also a testimony psalm. I'm not sure if you guys like to sing, but one of my favorite songs to sing, one of my favorite hymns, is "It Is Well with My Soul." I don't know if you know anything about the background behind "It Is Well with My Soul," but it is a it, it is an anthem and an invitation to praise. But it is a personal story. You see, Horatio Spafford is the guy who wrote this song. Horatio Spafford was a very successful lawyer. He had four daughters, and he had a son, and he was married. He was a very, very successful man. In fact, so much so that he had a lot of investment properties. And pre-1871, they unexpectedly lost their one and only son of an illness. In 1871, in the Chicago fires, Horatio Spafford and his wife lost every single one of their investment properties. A few years later, Horatio Spafford took his family, organized for his family to go on a holiday, and he was going to take them over to Europe, but he sent them by boat. And as he sends his wife and his daughters ahead, because he had some things to tidy up, the boat that his wife and his four daughters on have a collision, and he loses all four daughters. His wife survived. Horatio makes his way to England after hearing the news, and as he's crossing the seas, it's there that he pins the words, when sorrows like sea billows roll, whatever my lot thou hast taught me to say, it is well, it is well with my soul. Incredible This psalmist, though we don't know him personally, though we have no connection to him, perhaps this is his personal story. And yet it's a song that we can all sing from the depths of our heart. Not only is this psalm a a, 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 a song of personal testimony, but it is also identified along with Psalm 114, 115, 116, 117, and 118. There are six psalms called the Halal songs, Egyptian Halal songs. Halal means praise. Egyptian kind of signifies this Passover. The Egyptians, when the children of Israel were delivered from Egypt, they celebrated the Passover, a deliverance. And here in this song, these six psalms sit together. And maybe what you don't know is that Psalm 113 and Psalm 114, the reason they're significant is because this is what would have been sung pre-Passover meal. And the last four psalms would have been sung post the meal. 
So these psalms are psalms of of praise and exaltation, and that is why they are so special, and that is why for the readers who are reading it now, we see it as an invitation to get up on our feet, open our mouth, and to praise the Lord. Another thing that is special about this invitation is because in verse 1 it says, praise the Lord, praise, O servants of the Lord. This is the psalmist is rightly reminding a servant's role. As servants, the children of Israel, the readers of this psalm, they had a responsibility and a privilege to their master and to their king to stand up and praise the Lord. And praise being that sort of loving, reverential commitment to the one who is described by Moses as the Lord, the Lord. A God who is gracious and merciful. A God who is slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. He's forgiving iniquities and transgressions and sin. It's not an insincere praise. It's not an ungrateful, obligatory praise that is being extended here. And nor should come from the servants of Almighty God part of the urgency and part of this sort of um, imperative in this psalm is because of what a servant's role is. This is what the servants of the Lord are to do, and they do this because they see the privilege and the responsibility. You know, the world that we live in, my friends, is very much against the things of God. And we are tempted to move on very quickly and get distracted by many, many, many things. And I think a lot of times we are passing up opportunities when riotous applause would be the right response. If we are to stop and take stock and think about all the wonderful things that God has done for us, we would erupt in riotous praise. I thank God that we're a part of a church who wants to spend unhurried, uninterrupted amount of time casting our eyes onto who God is and what he's done and allowing us to express in in song all the wonderful things that God has done. Thank God for our music leaders who lead us in worship to help us throw our focus and our gaze onto our King of Kings and our Lord of Lords. But I want us to stop and think about the little moments that we are given all the time, every day, to see the hand of God at work in our lives. This psalmist right here is pointing out some reasons as to why he wants us to praise the Lord. This is his testimony But this serious invitation, an invitation to praise the Lord, is extended to us. Now, moms, I understand that there are a lot of things that can distract you from praising the Lord, aren't there? There is sleeplessness. There is uh, deadlines. There are fears. There are anxieties. There is health issues in the family. There are financial issues, perhaps, that you may be facing. Your marriage itself may be bothering you, and you're not happy with it. You may be having, um, you may be distracted by family issues, immediate family issues, or external family issues. There are many things that can overwhelm you. 
But as I highlight this special invitation for you to praise, I don't want you to think, how do I fit that into everything else that God's called me to do? But what I want to do is I want you to come and look with me at verses 4 to 9. It's here where we're going to see the sheer splendor of God, and we're going to see the stellar attention of God who takes notice of our earthly lies. Look at verse 4 for me. We're just going to look at verse 4 for a second. It says there that the Lord is high above all nations and his glory above the heavens. What the psalmist here is doing is he's, um, he's specially invited us to worship him, but then it's followed by a reason to worship this great God. And these reasons are expressed in terms of, of what Yahweh is like and what he does. And here in verse 4, what he's doing is he's highlighting this position of who God is. You think about it, in ancient Near Eastern times and in those days, I mean, they wouldn't have had woolies to go shop at. They wouldn't have had electricity. They wouldn't have had all the conveniences that we have. They would have had, you know, they would have looked at the stars and seen them and all their beauty. They would have seen the great sun and, and the moon and the rain. And those are things that they think are so much greater than them. And they're tempted to worship those things. But listen to what the psalmist is doing. He's highlighting where God is. His position is above the heavens. We just sang that song, How Great Is Our God. And as we sing that song and we stop and don't just sing those words, but as we think about those words, the splendor of the king. Uh, Picture the king in splendor. He's clothed in majesty. He wraps himself in light and darkness, it, darkness tries to hide, but it, it trembles at his voice. Do you see the sheer splendor of this king that we're invited to worship, that we're invited to get up off of our chairs and open up our mouth and praise the Lord? This king He's indescribable. I don't know if any of you have seen the Louis Giglio videos where he, he takes you into outer space and he tells you about time and the speed of time and the galaxies and the planets and the, and the Milky Ways. This God that we worship is indescribable from the highest of heights to the depths of the sea. You place the stars in the sky and you know them by name. You told every lightning bolt where it should go? Who imagined? Who imagined the sun and then gives source to its light? It's our all-powerful, untamable, indescribable, uncontainable, incomparable, unchangeable God. Listen to Psalm 83.3. It says this, When I look at your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have set in place. Psalm 19.1 says, The heavens declare the glory of God and the sky above proclaims his handiwork. Psalms 33.6 says, By the word of the Lord the heavens are made and by the breath of his mouth all of their hosts. In Isaiah chapter 40, let me read these to you. 
in Isaiah chapter 40, listen to these words. Who has measured the waters in the hollow of his hand and marked off the heavens with a span and closed the dust of the earth in a measure and weighed the mountains in scales and the hills in, balance, in a balance? Who has measured the spirit of the Lord? Or what man shows him his counsel? Who taught him the path of justice and taught him knowledge and showed him the way of understanding? Behold, the nations are like a drop from a bucket and are accounted as the dust of the scales. Behold, he takes up the coastlands like fine dust. To whom then will you then like God or what likeness compare with him? This God who sits above the heavens. He is big. And mothers, the God who sits above the heavens. I wanted you to remember his splendor. You know, splendor means greatness. Splendor means dazzling brightness. It means significance. It's grandness. And I would encourage you moms, in your times alone with the Lord, to reflect on his greatness and on his goodness and on his power and on his authority. And if you would like to read even further about this, Job 38 and 39 are incredible images of how big and how great God is. And as you do, as you remember him who created all that he's created, he created you. This is the one who has entrusted you with your task. Why praise him, mom? Why praise him? There's a special invitation. But because of his sheer splendor. But not only that, read with me verses 5 to 9. So we see his sheer splendor. It's the responsibility of, a, it's an invitation of a servant. But here we see, here we see his incredible attention, his stellar attention to us. Verse five says, who is like the Lord our God? Who is seated on high? Who looks far down on the heavens and the earth? He raised the poor from the dust and he lifts the needy from the ash pit. To make them sit with princes, with princesses of his people, he gives the barren woman a home, making her the joyous mother of children. And there's that praise the Lord at the end. You know, the psalmist seems to be inviting readers to, to really think and decide where they sit if they're not praising God. But not just because of God's high position, but also highlighting who this king is. So he sits above the heavens, but he's also a God who gets down low to have a look. According to the um, Hebrew, the best way that we can translate it is a little bit different than what we see in the ESV. But basically it says, Yahweh who is on high above, above all nations, his honor above all the heavens, who is like Yahweh, who is like our God. He is the one who sits on high. He is the one who, look, who, who looks down low in the heavens and in the earth. This sort, of, this sort of way that it's written 
is, is kind of this, he gets down low. This great king who is so big and almighty, he stoops. He lowers himself. To think about this great God stoops down low. He gets in and among it. He gets among the junk. He gets among the difficulties. But he's so great. It's not just where he's looking. He gets in among it. The words here suggest being of a modest position and a low status. You know, what I read this week when I was um, preparing was that this actual character trait, this, this description of who God is, was one of the most striking characteristics for the Israelites. It was more than his heavenly powers. They recognized how great he was, but that he would get in among it, that he would actually notice earthly lives, this is what actually sort of struck the Israelites the most. Have you ever stopped to ponder and consider the, the stellar attention of God? I mean, forget about our lives for a moment and just think about his creation. I mean, have you ever noticed in your yard, you know, those little cracks between the concrete that weeds start popping up? Have you ever looked or pulled one of those weeds out that has a little bit of a flower and just kind of investigated that? Like, it's so intricate. The little lines on 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 the weeds or the leaves, the little buds, they're just incredible. The incredible attention I mean, the various trees, the various flowers. I mean, think about the animals. They, they have such different detail. God's attention to detail is, is seen all around us. But do we get so busy that we, don't, or we aren't able to stop and enjoy and take it in? And does that cause us to praise who it is that provided these things for our enjoyment. Think about the way that the neck of the giraffe was stretched, the lines on the zebra, the elephant, and gave him his big ears. This God pays attention to detail, but he also, what is more significant and what this psalmist is highlighting, is that he cares for the lowly. He cares for individuals. He cares for people in the situations that they're walking through. It really is a great exercise to stop and to ponder and consider the sheer attention of God. Yes, he has made everything. But not only that, God's real splendor is that he takes care of the poor. And he is deeply concerned for the plight of the childless woman. This psalmist is highlighting something very significant for us. And it's here in these verses that some of us can feel as though the psalmist has got it actually wrong. We can wonder why this psalm says this, because we in fact know that there are folk who are starving, and we have friends who don't have children. Our experience would probably be that we would see people not getting out of those circumstances rather than being... Yeah, they're not being delivered from those circumstances. So this psalm here is like, oh, what do you, that doesn't mean anything to me. 
So has the psalmist got it wrong here? Is it true that he is... Um, he, he cares for the poor, or takes the poor from the dust. Is, is it true that he gives the barren woman a home, making her the joyous mother of children? For this psalmist, yes. For this psalmist, this is his personal story, I think. And that's how we should read it. That this is his personal testimony, and because of this personal testimony, he's inviting you to praise the Lord. But I think the psalmist has something bigger in mind to show us. This psalmist isn't promising anything. It's his story. This is what he and his wife have walked through. But here's what I want to point out that I think the psalmist is trying to say to us, and that is God takes loving note of our earthly lives. I want you to go back with me again to the ancient Near East, and I want you to think about the types of homes that they lived in. I want you to think about the sort of work that they would have been able to do. I want you to think about the medical services that they would have had. I want you to think of the challenges that they would have faced back in those times. I mean, if you had a good family, and if your dad had a trade and he was well-established, well, you might have been in a decent situation. But say you don't have a trade Say you are unable to bear children. Well, do you know what? In society, you're overlooked. You're not paid attention to. You're left to fend for yourself. Nobody cares. What is the psalmist doing here? He's noting the two most invisible members in society. The two most invisible members in, the, in, in, in society. The ones so lowly in stature that they're overlooked by almost everyone. So more than just the psalmist, this being his personal testimony, who is he highlighting? These are the ones, in fact, the overlooked These are the ones that God cares about. These are the ones that God notices. The poor from the dung heap. The childless woman who desperately weeps at night. God cares for them. God cares for them. As I think about this passage, we have a God who is high above the heavens. And he holds it in the palm of his hand, but yet with his other hand, he is lifting up the poor. He's recognizing the poor and noticing them. It's quite significant to me that we have a God who is this great, who is this caring, who is this concerned, who is this bothered. And you know, sometimes as moms, I think, can you feel overlooked? Can you feel as though you're not heard? Are you struggling in a situation? Do you feel as though the Lord is overlooking you? Do you feel as though your prayers are not being heard? This testimony says he does not overlook. You have a Savior who has paid special attention to your needs And if you have any doubt, I want to show you something because we can miss this. 
this stooping low God, through the incarnation of Jesus Christ, sang this hymn most likely in the upper room with his disciples before he was betrayed by one of his disciples, before he walked the Via Dolorosa, before he was put before Pilate, before he was spread out on the cross, this stooping low God knows our needs. And this stooping low God made himself nothing according to Scripture. And he took the form of a servant and being born in the likeness of men, being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death and even death on the cross. And this stooping low God has made a way for us to be in relationship with him. I find this psalm has a stellar um, meaning, a, a new meaning, when we hear that this incarnate flesh and blood lips of Jesus saying these words, perhaps on his way to Calvary for us. Moms, these are reasons why you can praise the Lord and get on your feet and open your mouth. Fortunately, I think in our church and in our situation, we have moms that do that. We have moms that are continually seeking to praise the Lord in the circumstances and in the situations that they find themselves in. But what I wanted for us to do this morning as we gathered around Psalm 113 was for us to take note of this invitation, this special invitation that we are to praise the Lord. And I wanted us to stop and think about this sheer splendor of who God is, who sits above the heavens, so great and so powerful, and yet he cares. Do we care for the things that God cares for? Are we caring for the things that God cares for? Are we getting distracted by other situations and other circumstances? You know, it is, it is hard, moms, to praise the Lord, especially when crossing the waves of life, when hurt comes, when disappointment comes, when failings come when illnesses knock on your door, when financial trials come, when employment changes, when you have to move or your tasks never seem done. These are difficult situations. But the psalmist here is wanting us to lift our gaze, lifting our focus, our situations he notices. But the situation that you have been entrusted with you're under his gaze. You're under the gaze of Almighty God. Reading, recording all that you do, moms, and then passing around a report to your family, it might bring you a slight relief or it might bring you a, a slight satisfaction to your family to show them all that you do. But I want to encourage you that more than that, would you be able to run to your almighty king who is, has sheer splendor and real? He's noticing the situations that you're finding in. He has stellar attention to you and he notices the situation that you are put in. And so as you mother under the gaze of God, 
would you be able to see his hand? Would you be able to see him at work in your situation? Would you be able to celebrate the little things? And would you be able to run to him and find a great peace as you seek to worship and praise him? For truly, our prayer is that you will continue to fulfill your task under his glorious gaze. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, I want to thank you for Psalm 113. I want to thank you for your word, and I want to thank you for the personal invitation that seems to be extended to us from this psalmist who's actually sharing part of his testimony of how he has seen how great you are. And Father, thank you for just how, how stellar your splendor is. Lord, thank you that you have created this planet with all the details. And I want to thank you for the special attention that you pay to us, Lord, as individuals, the way that you've paid attention to the children of Israel and you delivered them and you heard their cries. Thank you for the way that you hear our situations and you place us in situations and you walk with us. Lord, thank you that you are with us. And would you bless our moms as they continue to serve you as servants of the great high king. In Jesus' wonderful name I pray, amen.